As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Good morning, good afternoon, good, good evening. evening. <laughs> we don't know when you're listening to this program. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with George Rose, my brother in arms. We actually uh, have a special guest with us for the entire program in Father Zach Swantek. Father, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Father's uh, ministry and what he does a little later. And we're going to create a little suspense by not mentioning any of it right now. But we're actually <laughs> pre-recording this show it is uh, technically Wednesday. Um, uh, it's my son's birthday. My my seventeen-year-old is now officially eighteen years old. Today. Happy birthday! Yes, Chris Christopher, Christopher number right. four out of eight uh, birthday today. Uh, again, you're going to be listening to this on Friday. Uh, as of today, though, three point five million people are out of power, including myself. And and Mr. Producer, who who was kind of kind of upset this morning, maybe a cold shower. I don't know. <laughs> he texted me last night. My garage door won't open. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> so he borrowed his wife's car to get here this morning. <laughs> so listen, we're all suffering with regards to the weather, uh, but hopefully by the time this is aired. You guys are going to be, you know, everyone's going to have power. You know, air conditioning is going to be on. It's going to be, uh, yeah. I think, 80-something degrees on yeah. Friday. So, Billy, I, I also, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention we have a big birthday in the Rose household this week, uh -oh. too, tomorrow. Come on, drum roll. Uh, 50th birthday tomorrow for my wife. Actually, Great. I probably shouldn't yeah. say that, huh? Wow. Uh, it's her 30, <laughs> Carrie's 39th birthday yes. is tomorrow. Yes, Congratulations. 39th. We wish you a wonderful, happy birthday. To a wonderful Although woman. this will be the day after the birthday when we have the show now, so this is like we're in a time warp well, this, today, the, right? This is sort of like, yeah, this is very, uh, very <laughs> right, Einstein. -like. Back to the future, Einstein-like. It's almost like a hint as to who our guest is. Einstein worked out of Princeton University. Yeah, right? we can There's drop our, clues our all day. First clue: our oh, guest show. is out of Princeton University. That's our first clue. But but anyway, <laughs> we hope everyone's doing well. Before we, get, we completely lose it and go crazy. We have to start the show off with our Saint of the Month. And 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 we're having a little dualist issue here because there's two of them, right? Yeah, sense. actually, we get a, a better, bigger bang for the buck this month, Billy. Right. We have two Saints of the Month. And, and there's, I'm going to start us off with another hint. Right now, we have Pope Emeritus, right? Benedict, yes. And mm. we have Pope Francis. Good point. So yeah. one could say that there is a retired Pope and an active Pope living yeah. And that kind of is a segue to our two saints. Yeah, except they're they're both legitimate popes. Um, well, so <laughs> we are our, our saints of the month are our saints Punchin and Hippolytus, and their feast day is on August thirteenth. Uh, so it'll be next next week, I think next Friday. And uh, these are two men who were at odds most of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we know of, right? Yes, yeah, kind of like you and me, Billy. <laughs> the, the yin and the yang. Hopefully we'll reconcile before we die. <laughs> um, they both died on the island of Sardinia after they were uh, banished to work in the mines there during a, a persecution uh, during, in the Roman Empire. So uh, Pope St. Puncheon, uh, he became pope in, in the year 230. 
and he uh, reigned until 235, and he was uh, he, he resigned uh, in 235 after he was exiled, so that an orderly succession could take place. So he had the uh, the welfare of the of the church in mind at the time, and and Pope he was the first one to, Pope to ever resign. By the way, was he? Yes, he was. Oh, something else in common then. There we right? go with Pope Benedict, yeah. um, and he was. Uh, chiefly known for convening a Roman synod, which conver- confirmed a prior condemnation of the Egyptian theologian Origen. So they condemned him. I'm not honestly quite sure why. Perhaps well, you know. Or- Origen had a little bit of a bad rap. Um, Did he? But he's certainly come back <laughs> come back in favor. He's one of the most brilliant um, church fathers, really, anti-Nicene fathers of the church. Um, anti before the Nicene Council. Um, right right now, the, the, let's set the stage for both uh, Pope uh, Hippolytus and Pontian because the, the Novation was, uh, was a heresy going on that basically was affecting the early Christians because there was such a big persecution going on in church yeah. back there. And the, the debate at the time was, well, you know, can you stand? The big prayer for all of the martyrs before martyrdom was, we pray that you can actually stand and, and, and actually not deny the church. Because very often a lot of the, the emperors would say, well, listen, if you deny and you start practicing this pagan ritual, we'll let you off. Yeah. So, and some know, people succumbed. Then they called that the lapsia, right? So right. if you, if you succumb to it and actually did the pagan right and renounced your faith, if you will, uh, there was a split in the church where, well, if you did that, you can't come back. Right. Right. You can't come back. And that's where kind, uh, kind of St. Hippolytus was in. It fell into that camp a little bit. And and that led to that ulti- well, ultimately was seen as a heresy. And a lot of that came from the writings of, of uh, St. Cyprian, actually, yeah. uh, which we've had as a saint in the past. But uh, so there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, it's like the anti-divine mercy uh, <laughs> point of view. Right. But but St. Hippolytus. So, you know, one of the articles I, I read about him doing the research was that he was a rigorist, a vehement and intransigent man for whom even orthodox doctrine and practice were not purified enough. So <laughs> he was uh, a really strict man, a rigorist. <laughs> well, that kind of makes sense, though. Almost like Tertullian, right? It was yes. a Montist. He was just, you know, very much very legalistic in a sense. Yeah. And, that, and he struggled during his day. But there's an interesting little history because there's con- con- conflating uh, um, stories uh, on Hippolytus. You know, some say he was actually a disciple of Irenaeus. Mm-hmm. Irenaeus was Bishop of Lyons, and mm-hmm. some say, like Pope, uh, I think it's Pius IV said that he was actually, Hippolytus, that is, was actually Bishop of Pontus, which is in northwest, northeastern Turkey. Mm-hmm. So I, we have all this, really, it's really interesting when you look at the history of trying to sort out who this saint was. Ultimately, he was a martyr. Right, yep, which you're going yep. to talk a little bit about. Well, he, you know, also became the first anti-pope. So he was so unhappy with um, the pope and the church's response, I believe, to the, the lapsi. Yes. That um, he had his group of followers elect him pope. So he became the anti-pope and the, that whole concept of anti-pope. Novantinist. First schism. started with him. And, uh, and then the schism, it lasted for 19 years and through three popes. Um, you know, and this is before Constantine, right? So before the, the Catholic Church was even accepted. So I'm sure it was very difficult. But, but you know, historically speaking, Hippolytus is, was definitely the more uh, uh, impactful figure than Pope Pontian. So a lot of his writings have survived, and, and he was an, an incredibly impactful theologian. 
Um, he wrote uh, a book called the uh, the Apostolic Tradition, which contains the earliest known rite of ordination. Mm-hmm. And this ordination rite of a bishop is still used by the Catholic Church today, largely. And it uses the actual text, the ancient text that he wrote. He also provides a first example of the Virgin Mary being invoked in liturgical prayer. And his prayers for the Eucharistic banquet include the third century words of consecration, not just that there was a consecration and there were prayers, the actual words. And this text is the source for most of today's Eucharistic prayer, too, uh, which is the most commonly used Eucharistic prayer at Mass. So um, thanks to Hippolytus, we, we actually have these actual prayers that were used in the celebration of the Mass and in the consecration of the Eucharist, which is pretty remarkable if you think about it. Um, so that that's his contribution. He was, uh, you know, really significant. Um, he, he was, he was, and you know, it's funny when it, there was obviously this this debate going on, right? And you know, in God's providence, He worked it out. And how did He work it out? He worked it out by having a, a Roman emperor, uh, Maximinus Thrax, yes. actually condemn both of them and send them both to Sardinia. They were both banished to Sardinia in two thirty five, and, and this is how, in a sense, their martyrdom is how God basically healed the schism because then a duly elected one pope was elected. So we don't we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God sorted it out. Hippolytus brought so much to the church, even if even if maybe he was a little rigid, if you will, with and, and fell into this little heresy. And we don't know if it was rectified at the end of his life. He was he was actually dragged by wild horses like Hippolytus of Greek mythology, yeah. probably because his name was Hippolytus. Yeah, well, they probably it, said, "Okay, we got a death for you." Well, it is. <laughs> it is said that they they reconciled. Um, I think through this this horrific trial, this sure. martyrdom that they both suffered, and um, you know, uh, one of the other things I read said that for Hippolytus, what he could not learn in his prime as a reformer and purist, he learned in the pain and desolation of imprisonment. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. so God sent that suffering uh, for a reason, and it was a, a fitting symbolic event that Pope Pontian shared his martyrdom with him. Right. So it's uh, part really, of the reconciliation. Yeah, not the way you would think that would happen. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Pontian was actually beaten with sticks, whereas Hippolytus was dragged by horses. Yeah. Yeah. No, wow. definitely. Uh, we're blessed in this day and age to not have to deal with that, but not all of us. I mean, you look at some of the the Christians in the Middle East; they're still being martyred. You know, so we, mm-hmm. we certainly we, we pray to these two great saints. Um, I think uh, Hippolytus in the Middle Ages was um, a patron saint. I don't know if he still is patron saint of horses because of oh, that. Oh, is he? Okay. And, and you know, it was very common if you were in a, you know, in a village in, in the Middle Ages and you had issues with your horse to actually reach out to St. Hippolytus for some help, which was pretty cool. That is cool. So St. Hippolytus and St. Uh, Pontian, pray, for, pray us for us on this amazing uh, story that you both share. And, and it's a story of reconciliation, too. So, and, and we certainly need that today. So we're going to actually go to break, come back in just two minutes, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. Hi, this is Peter Herbeck, host of Fire on the Earth, heard right here on Domestic Church Radio every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.45 a.m., Join us as we seek to hear the voice of Jesus, who calls each one of us personally to follow him, to share in his life, his mission, and his destiny, and to live the high adventure of Catholic discipleship. I hope you can join us every morning, 6.45 a.m. on Domestic Church Radio. God bless you. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. Ask Sister Lisa Valentini whose life she'd pick if she could choose anyone's in the whole world 
and her answer will always be the same. I'd pick mine every time, she'll tell you. A Pennsylvania native, she served in the missions of Peru, Chile, and the Dominican Republic. I love being a missionary, Sister Lisa says, adding, it's amazing to think that God allows me to share in the wonderful work of bringing his good news to all people. We're all involved in sharing that good news. How amazing, indeed. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with Brothers in Arms, my co-host, George Rose, and Father Zach. I'm not going to mention his last name because there's hint number two out of Princeton, who's going to be our guest when we come back. <laughs> Didn't we already off. mention it in the first Did we? First did we? Oh, we did. did. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Father Zach's one to I just got a look from Mr. Producer like, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> it's early in the morning. It's Wednesday. This is a pre-recorded show. We're airing on Friday. So uh, we've mentioned that, and we're, we're hoping that you are not one of the 3.5 million people out of power, like myself. As you are, and, 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 and Mr. Mr. Producer, Producer is. As he, as he rubs his Father Zach, do you have power where you are? I do now, but yesterday I had the same problem with uh, the garage not opening. Oh, really? <laughs> Thankfully, it opened this morning, and it you were opened, able to join us. <laughs> it opened this morning. So we just uh, finished our little uh, rundown of two great saints, uh, you know, Pope Hipp- uh, Hippolytus and Pope... Uh, uh, Pontius, uh, so both of them uh, are celebrated on anti-Pope Hippolytus. Uh, yeah, but but he but, was never but actually reconciled, Pope. but reconciled, yes, but yes. reconciled. Saint so Hippolytus, to, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so if you have a horse, and I live in horse country, uh, he is the patron saint of horses, or at least he was. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he still is. So we're we're uh, a lot of things are going on in the world right now, George. Billy, where do we start? <laughs> the last two three months, it's like where, where do you even start? It, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, we're hoping that um, you, you're not suffering from the coronavirus or any of your family members have. Uh, My sister had it, believe it or not. She, yeah. she found out later. She had, uh, has the antibodies. But she was sick back in March for like three or four days and um, had like splitting headaches, she told me. Yeah, it's such and, a um, bizarre virus. Uh, for most people, it's very benign. Yeah. But if you're uh, over the age 70... In fact, the mortality rate, if you're under age seven, is 0.014 or 0.04%. Very low. But uh, don't let that fool you because that's mortality. The morbidity rate, which which means how sick you get and all that stuff, is very high. Yeah. So it's it's highly uh, uh, contractible. And when you get it, and if you get it hard, you get it really hard. Yeah. So if you're you're you know above the age seventy, age seventy, if you have diabetes or other comorbidities, you got to really take this serious. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, so for the vast majority of people, it's pretty benign, mm. and that's a blessing. You know? <clears throat> so we certainly pray for all, all those people that have contracted it and are suffering in particular. But uh, beyond coronavirus, because we can go on 
for hours on coronavirus, and that's all you hear. What else is going on, George? Well, Billy, we have uh, end of the month. Uh, some g- good news is a new movie coming out uh, called Fa- uh, called Fatima, Fatima the movie, and it's was originally supposed to come out in April, but it was postponed because of the virus. But now it's coming out August twenty eighth, uh, possibly in theaters. I guess depending on whether the theaters are open. That, that if I had to guess, they're probably not going to be. It's you know we're already in the first week of August, and I don't think the theaters are no, still open not, yet. Not, right? Not in Jersey. Yeah. Um, uh, but it'll be on streaming anyway, so you can get it. You know, probably on Netflix and Amazon Prime. But it's uh, Fatima. It looks really good. I watched the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, Sister Lucia and uh, a, a fictional character, uh, Professor Nichols, who's an atheistic professor who's trying to he's delving into Fatima and, and trying to you know disprove it. Uh, and they're sitting uh, talking to each other through a screen because Sister Lucia's um, in the um, convent. In, in the convent, yeah. yes. Uh, and uh, cloistered convent, and um, the uh, professor Nichols is played by Harvey Keitel. That's that's great. Not a guy you would think <laughs> no. would be in a movie like this. I mean, no. he's from you know he's been in all kinds of Quentin Tarantino movies, right? Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, movies I watched back before my reversion to the faith, which I probably wouldn't watch today because there's some scenes in those that are honestly yeah. horrific. Um, they are. They're, but you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. I wonder because actors. You know, they really divest themselves into a into a role. They yeah. research it and everything. And here's the one, you know, this this Fatima has got a lot of like it's got it's got pictures, it's got images, the miracle of the sun. There's interviews like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Oh, secularum, all these all these uh, atheist uh, periodicals and newspapers were there at the time. And I mean, this is a really yeah. It's a lot, this is this is one that's got to raise your eyebrows if you're an atheist for sure. Yeah. It, well, it, the actual event converted a lot of atheists, it, it, it right? Did, yeah. So, um, and Andrea Bocelli does some of the music in the movie too. So this is like a really first class production. I know I have friends and people who complain about Christian movies sometimes because they're like that. Maybe a little hokey sometimes. Hokey, like kind of grade B. The quality is just not like a you know true. You know, grade A um, cinematic, uh, you know, movie. But this, this by all appearances, looks to be that. So they're getting better, though. I mean, obviously, the passion with with you know, actually, the the, um, company. I think it's called uh, Picture Works. That's distributing the movie is run by the same guy who was the marketing mastermind behind uh, the Passion of the Christ. I forget his name, but it's one uh, of the guys. uh, uh, Caviti, right? No, not uh, Macaviti. Oh, it um, not it's another, it's another guy, Bob Begeni or Begeni, gotcha. something oh, yeah. like that. But anyway, it's the same guy, so I'm sure you know he he you know took on, has taken on a really high quality production and is going to do a great job. Of well, but even getting the word but some of there. these movies are getting better. I mean, we just had that a lot of them that are, series yeah. on Jesus Christ's life, which is really phenomenal. the chosen, the chosen, yeah. phenomenally, really well good. done. Really what good. an amazing! If you haven't seen that, you can actually see it free, or at least some of it on. You YouTube. You seen the Chosen, Father Zach? No, I haven't no. yet. Oh, by all, it, it it's is, really good. It's phenomenal. Now, there's there's a lot of creative license in there, obviously, right? But um, it did such an amazing job of making Christ strong, but approachable. Yeah, you know, um, and, and that was that's not an easy thing to do. Well, for, you know, Franciscan University a few weeks ago had a um, on a Sunday night had, and I, I didn't watch it, but Jez Ford told me about it. They had a um, uh, like an evening conference, uh, you know, I think it was to help replace some of the conferences that they're not able to do this year. But Scott Hahn uh, got on and said that was was singing the praises of the chosen, saying it had renewed his 
his uh, love for for Jesus. You know, just yeah. the way it portrayed him. It was yeah. like a whole just refreshed his love for for Jesus. Yeah, so it, it, that's it, a pretty good endorsement. There. It did that for me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, part of my conversion story, um, it didn't hinge around Jesus Christ because my image of Jesus Christ was a very effeminate uh, image of him from movies of the time and everything. Right. It made him a very weak. And I couldn't relate to that. I was watching the John Wayne movies. I was playing sports. I, I couldn't relate to how Jesus was portrayed. But I had no problem with his mama. I yeah. had no problem with Mary. And Mary, over the years of my life, brought me to Jesus Christ. And this film, or this series, does an amazing job of, of doing the same thing. It portrays Jesus Christ in, in, a, in a wonderful way. He, he, was, he was faithful. He was holy. He had a sense of humor. He was human because he, he was yeah. fully human. We know this. He was divine, but fully human. And he knew that. And, and it, that's clear in this in this uh, show. And there's some wonderful scenes without completely ruining it for you with his interaction of children. Yeah. Which really struck a chord in mm-hmm. me. And uh, my gosh, I recommend anyone. Uh, great for like the, the, the campus ministries to have, actually have them watch it. <gasps> Another, uh, hint. another hint. Another hint. Oh, that's not a hint. We already said his name. <laughs> well, but we didn't say what he does. Well, let's just say, well, F- Father Zach is actually the, the head of the Aquinas Institute uh, at Princeton He's University. The, the chaplain and yes, director. Yes, chaplain, yes. And uh, they do some amazing things. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But, you know, with regards to campus ministry, I, I do recommend this one. Um, and I think you can get most of it for free at this stage on YouTube. The first season, if, I think you can. Not yeah. completely. I, I noticed not all the episodes are, are released yet, but I think that, like the first four or five are. And that's if you can get anything out of this entire uh, experience, Father, watch The Chosen. It really was special. It yeah. really was. It, so what else, Billy? What else uh, well, you got I, there? I, you know, with all the rioting and craziness going on. and You mean the peaceful protests? Well, there are some of those. There are, <laughs> listen, there, we gotta, we, there are some of those, and we have to, and that's very American. And I want to I want to make that delineation that point really clear. But what's happening behind the scenes, and and there's elements in there that are just atrocious, you know. With yeah. uh, and uh, specifically now, it's 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 in our it's in our backyard now, where they're actually defacing images of Mary. Yeah, um, they're they're doing the same with statues of Jesus Christ. Um, they're burning the Bibles. Just recently in Portland, they were burning the yeah, Bibles. Yeah, I saw that a few nights ago. And yeah. then in, in a fit of complete irony, there's these protesters, pro-life protesters in Washington, D.C., just a couple of them, and they were writing on the sh- in front of abortion clinic, mm. in chalk, by in the way. In front of a Planned Parenthood. Pre-Black <clears throat> Lives Matter. That's all they did, in chalk. And Black were, pre-born lives correct, matter. Correct, yep. And they were arrested for it. Yeah. But 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 you can go to a storefront, loot it, and not get arrested. So you yeah, or Mayor De Blasio them. can paint it, you know, himself <laughs> indelible paint and on, he the, didn't, on Fifth Avenue. And he didn't get an actual. He didn't actually fill out the proper paperwork to be able to do that. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> so technically, yeah. should arrest himself. Yeah. The double standard is. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh, it's amazing. So it's when so you, when you see it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, have you seen that at all, Father? I mean. As a priest, um, you can't help but you you wear your faith as you walk in the streets. I don't I don't know if you're you're seeing any residuals of that or seeing any negative faces or images. I remember my brother many years ago when the 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 the, the scandals, the sex scandals broke out. You know he you know he he felt it. I mean, people would look at him very oddly, um, and, and and that was obviously you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But that was the reality. What was going on at that time? Are you seeing any of that? 
Well, you never know who you're going to run into or what type of reaction you'll get. And I love that to be able to be a very public witness uh, mm. through wearing my clerics in, in public. And, uh, yeah, sometimes there are people stopping me on the streets to talk with me or to pray about something. And other times there are people crossing the street to kind of move away from me, although now it could be just to be safe uh, with coronavirus and try to keep distance. So you never you never know. Well, I, I, I love giving them the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. five. I was just thinking, <laughs> looking at Father, he's in his clerics. He's, he's a man in black. And I was thinking about Harvey Keitel again. Wasn't he uh, in Men in Black with Will Smith? Yeah, Wasn't see, he the guy? Uh, no, you're thinking of... Um, Who am I thinking of? Oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to have a senior moment. This is going to come to me at 3 o'clock this it's morning. It's not Harvey Keitel, huh? No, it's... Uh, uh, anyway, it's not We'll have to Keitel. look it up. All right. Yeah, I'll gonna, look it up. We'll I'll, get back to it. I'm going to look it up. You keep talking, George. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> well, Billy, it is um, remarkable when you look at all the um, the vandalism. Like, I've heard of a, a couple of, you know, things with the, the statues um, being torn down um, or uh, defaced. And, you know, I'm looking in the National Catholic Register, and there's like 10 different, 12 different incidences throughout the month of uh, July, end of June through the middle of July when this came out. And I'm sure it's probably continued where statues of the Virgin Mary, you know, July 11th, well, a statue of the Virgin Mary was burned in Boston. A statue of the Virgin Mary was vandalized in Brooklyn. Uh, a statue of Christ was beheaded at the Archdiocese of Miami's Good, Good Shepherd Catholic Church. July 14th, a statue of Mary was doused in red paint in Colorado. Um, it's terrible. It's uh, it's unbelievable when you see all this stuff. You know, July 10th, vandals spray painted the word "idol" on the statue of the Virgin Mary at a prep school and seminary in New York City in, in the borough of Queens. So, and, and there's like you know a bunch more incidences. It's like bizarre. It, it, it is bizarre because even during the the Black Lives Matter uh, protest, that 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 anarchist element that that was part of that would deface you know abolitionist statues. You know. You know the fifty-fourth Massachusetts stash, uh, statue with uh, what was it uh, Shaw, who who led the fifty-fourth Black uh, yeah. Regiment in 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 the Civil War. I mean, this was a oh, monument was Christ- to, Negro, was to, to Negro soldiers, Christians who really were the first abolitionists and fought against slavery. So this is this is this is uh, that anarchist element. Uh, it, really, it's a Marxist element. It is that's rising up and. Uh, and obviously, they you a know, Marxist element, which is anti-God and atheistic, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this is, you know, um, Marx and Lenin, the, the, you know, in the, the turn of the twentieth century, pushed, or in the beginning of the twentieth century, pushed the idea of the proletariat. You know, let's get the workers to rise up. Well, that you know, in in a capitalist society with prosperity, that has not been a successful method. So I really believe that. The Marxists are, are, are really reaching into gender. They're reaching into race. They're reaching into areas that can really be a sore wound, pull off a scab. And I think that's what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's remember who's actually doing the reaching ultimately. <laughs> yeah, Satan, there, there, right? There is, there, there is indeed, yes, the yeah. puppet master of it all um, right. causing chaos. Because what is the, the root word of the, the word diabolic? The root word is to divide. Yeah. Yep. And that's what we're seeing. We're, yeah. we're seeing division. After we're not, division. We don't battle, you know, flesh and blood, right? As St. Paul says, we battle. We're fighting this, this spirit, the, the principalities, the powers of darkness, uh, as he writes. I, I forget which uh, letter he wrote it in, but I always try to think of that because, you know, it's we, we still got to love our, our neighbors, right? Yeah, Even these, these violent protesters and fighting violence with violence does not work. That, that's been proven 
time yeah, and time and again, right? And it is important to separate, you know, that there are people out there that are, are trying to, uh, you know, if you will, get a, get a particular cause in the, in, there, there, there's people that are protesting. Racism, which racism. is a great thing. Exactly. So that, that exists. We're talking about the element of, of anarchy. Um, because you know you're you're hurting your cause when you go and you destroy neighborhoods. I mean, what you, what we're not seeing on TV is these these neighborhoods where these riots and protests are, are taking place. They're obliterated. I mean, the storefronts are are, are destroyed. Yeah, and that's that's certainly not a, a, a solution. You know, no, follow no, follow not. the words and actions of of Martin Luther King. You know, who who premised a lot of of his protest against what are the writings of Gandhi and Jesus Christ, right? His faith which was peaceful protest. Yeah, and look at his, his legacy survives, is, is honored even still today. Absolutely. You know, things that are going on today like this are, are not going to survive and they're not going to be honored. Um, you know, you hear that term, the wrong side of history. People who are doing these violent rioting and protests and, and tearing down statues of Christian saints and, and things are, are uh, well, yeah, uh, uh, not going a- to be a- remembered a- very a- long. AOC, uh, Cortez, was attacking the statue of uh, Damien, uh, St. Damien, basically saying that he was he was a representation of, of white supremacy. Yeah. And and thankfully so. A lot of Hawaiians stood up and said, you're Do crazy. Do you put any <laughs> stock in what she says? Uh, no, but my point <laughs> is, this is this is Congress yeah. making a crazy, or someone in Congress making a crazy statement about a man who literally gave his life and literally his life to serve the lepers yeah. at Malachi. And thankfully, so many Hawaiians have, have risen up saying, you're crazy. This, yeah. this, this man is, is revered yeah. because of what he did, his, his love of, of, of everyone. So, I mean, I guess we have um, the fact that we have you here, Father. What, what can you say to the people out there amid all this rise of hatred? What, how do we got to embrace? How do we, how do we handle this as Catholics? From, 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 from your perspective as a priest? Sure. Well, I think now is a perfect time where amidst all this confusion, it's a great opportunity of sharing the gospel and truly evangelizing. And as uh, we hear in Vatican II that uh, any racism or discrimination is foreign to the mind of Christ. And so hmm. we need to really stress that that our faith truly believes every person is created in the image of God. And so that gives us this uh, command to really treat each person with respect and to show that this is part of who we are and so that we can be we can relate on, on that but then also lead them in their confusion to the fullness of truth mm. that's a great yeah, point and, and Catholics are the original social justice warriors right <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, and I think that, that this all in a certain sense challenges each one of us that proclaim to be Christian how do we identify? Do we identify as Christians or do we identify with our ethnicity or do we identify from, identify as, as with my faith? I'm a Christian man. I don't, my ethnicity, I don't care about my ethnicity. It's, it's the fact that I'm a Christian man. And that, to your point, Father, I'm guided by the gospel. And a very mutual friend of ours, great priest uh, and Father Jeff Kegley, a long time ago, really got me to, to think when he said that, you know, the gospel is a message of hope. Mm. We are we are a people of hope, and we should be joyful, and that's the mark of 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 a Christian living their faith, and and that's what we need to be. We need to be a, a, a men and women of the gospel, be that light 
amid all this darkness. We are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. There you go, George. JP2 says. (laughs) What a great way to actually end this segment and go to our two-minute break and come back and actually dive into a little bit of Father Zach Swantek and his ministry at Princeton University. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to, and I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. St. John Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? It's a good question. I gave a huge hug this morning. We've actually organized a date night tonight. I took the baby while she worked. Um, I sent my husband a love email. I have carried my wife's purse. I shopped. We talked. I made my wife laugh. She's still laughing. (laughs) What have you done for your marriage today? Do something a little special. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. This is Brothers in Arms. I'm here with my co-host, George the Rose. George, George the, the Rose. Rose. <laughs> War, <laughs> War of the Roses. Today is not War of the Roses, but we have George Rose here, my brother. And we have our, our guest actually in studio, Father Zach Swantek, who is the director of the Aquinas Institute, chaplain and director of the Aquinas Institute. Yep. George, can you tell yeah, us a little I'll bit give, more Yeah, uh, I'll give everybody a little background on, on Father Zach. So... Um, he was ordained in 2014 uh, in the Archdiocese of Newark. Uh, so he's visiting in the Diocese of Trenton, I guess, on loan from, from the Newark Archdiocese. And, uh, wow, Father, you have an amazing background. So you've been um, the uh, chaplain and director. You were just appointed about a month ago. So you've been in Princeton for about a month. Right. And um, obviously you're living in Princeton, but— uh, undergrad, you went to Drew University, you studied English there. I studied English at Holy Cross, so we have that in common. But um, I'm envious of some of the places where you've you studied marriage and family at the Pontifical John Paul II Institute for Studies on Marriage and Family. You studied Polish at John Paul II Catholic University of Lublin, Lublin which I assume is in Poland. Um, you went to seminary at Seton Hall, Immaculate Conception, you studied at the Pontifical North American College. Uh, you studied um, the uh, theology of marriage and family at the Pontifical University of St. John Paul II in Krakow. So you, and, and I believe you speak Polish now. Is it safe to say? 
some Polish. I can you celebrate will... Mass in Polish and order food and <laughs> read a little bit of theology. <laughs> you have a working you, knowledge of Polish. Can you bless all the men and women out there in Polish virtually? Mm, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the end. So you were, uh, and the reason we met, he was the uh, chaplain and a teacher at Seton Hall Prep. So I have a very good friend from grammar school, uh, Kathy Sauer. Now, Kathy Reddington is probably how you know her. Uh, we went to uh, St. Anne's in Garden City, Long Island together. And um, she got to know Father Zach um, oh, wow. through that because her boys went to Seton Hall Prep. And um, interesting, the way we met was so Kathy uh, actually told, I wrote a letter. Remember, when I first was diagnosed with lung cancer uh, three and a half years ago, I wrote a letter asking people to pray for me and to pray to Father Sapochko, mm-hmm. uh, Sister Faustina's spiritual uh, director. Um, and for his sainthood, right? He's got the one miracle. He needs one more, two, to become um, canonized. He's already been beatified. He's blessed. Uh, so Father Zach was going on a trip or, or a pilgrimage to Poland at the time, came back with a beautiful uh, lithograph of uh, Father Sapochko. Wow. And and Kathy then gave it to Kathy. Kathy sent it to me. My wife had it framed, and we have it hanging on our family altar in our family room at home that was amazing I was so moved because I had never met Father Zach but he read the letter that I wrote and he was moved by that to get this painting for me and then I guess about a year after that we went on a pilgrimage to Rome with about 25 other friends and, and family um, from from St. Raphael's and Father Jeff Kegley led the pilgrimage and when I was there I got the matching lithograph of Sister Faustina um, that was Poland you went Poland yeah right, yeah okay. we went yeah we went to the Divine Mercy uh uh uh, cathedral in uh, in Krakow and and several other places and we we went to um, where Father Sapochko's tomb is and everyone prayed for me in front of Father Sapochko's tomb. We have a picture of all everyone's hands being laid out over me praying uh, in front of Father Sapochko's tomb, which was one of the most meaningful, moving experiences of my entire life. So Father Zach, you know, reached out to me with his painting, and then we have the, this connection from that, which was. Really amazing, and I, and I thank him for that. And I think when I was there, did I get you? Uh, I sent you a rosary, I think, from Poland, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I have it. Right oh, and you here. have it in your pocket. Oh, wow, that's a nice rosary, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got that at the uh, Divine Mercy Sanctuary in uh, in Krakow. So, um, so that's how we met. And now Father Zach is the. Um, Chaplain and director at the Aquinas Institute in Princeton, which is the Catholic campus ministry at Princeton University, which is a really vibrant, um, really active Catholic campus ministry. Um, And and he went through, I think, a fairly rigorous interview process from what you told me. Uh, Yeah, that's right. I was uh, surprised when I got contacted by the Aquinas Institute and invited to come and meet with their uh, search committee. Oh, they headhunted you. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And as I told them, you know, as a priest, I don't decide where I go or apply for jobs. I go where my archbishop sends me. So mm. I said, but I've heard of the Aquinas Institute and knew they were doing wonderful things. And I had read books from uh, half the members of the search committee. So I thought, OK, at least I'll go and meet with them. And then we would all discern together through prayer uh, where God was uh, leading me and where God was leading them. And turned out that uh, everyone on the search committee, myself and my Archbishop Cardinal Tobin, all came to the same conclusion. And then most importantly, also Bishop O'Connell. Uh, mm. So when they uh, proposed my name to him, he accepted it and uh, invited me to be the next chaplain. 
Wow, yeah. that's amazing. And it's only been a month, so you probably there's probably no students there right now, right? Um, well, there are, some, uh, there are some some grad students, uh, but mostly it's been virtual. Mm. Yeah, and, and you're pretty good, I know, on social media, I saw. You have a great Facebook page. If you guys out there just do a search on Father Zach Swantek, S-W-A-N-T-E-K, you'll find Correct, his yeah. Facebook page. And uh, he's got a lot of great stuff on there. I saw yesterday you posted uh, something about uh, St. John Vianney. <laughs> yeah. His feast his day was yesterday. Came, yeah, yep. yeah. Patron saint of, of priests. Yes, yes. The cure so, they are. He, he's got some stories, boy. Yeah. So there's a lot of great, you know, I didn't really know a lot about the Aquinas Institute until I started looking it up because uh, we were going to have you on today. And I've been to some talks there over the yep. years, probably 15 years ago. I heard Scott Hahn speak there. Uh, four or five years ago, uh, I heard uh, Robert George uh, speak. I actually I can't remember if Robert George was at Princeton or if it was at St. Paul's, uh, the parish in Princeton. But I know he's very involved in in, uh, in the Aquinas Institute, I'm sure. And one thing I, I would like to read, there was an article by George Weigel about the Aquinas Institute and what's going on there. And uh, uh, he wrote that uh, in his article, he quotes a, a faculty member at Princeton uh, who said, there's been a true flowering of John Paul II Catholicism on this campus. It is robust and hopeful. It engages opponents on issues such as abortion, sexual morality, etc., on the plane of rational debate and unreservedly links arms with allies in the evangelical Christian, Orthodox Jewish, and Muslim communities. We are not hiding in the catacombs, but engaging the culture, so even in areas where the prevailing culture on this campus, as with most others, is hostile. And, and the, the faculty member goes on to say, we do not fear inquiry, we relish it. We recognize that truth is never the enemy of faith. We proclaim the gospel of life as the affirmation of the unique, profound, inherent, and equal dignity of every member of the human family. Wow. Unbelievable. That's amazing. That is, that, that's a testimony <laughs> right there, huh? You have some uh, big shoes to fill there because this article was written a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, then it makes my job easy because there's already wonderful things going on there. And so I'm there to just continue to help advance that and continue to add new ideas as well. Mm. I think it really speaks to, to you and, and the, 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 your character and, and your charisma as a priest that they chose you sure. as the, the person to carry this on, uh, you know, this tradition that they've already built there. Um, so well, that's a testimony in itself. So, yeah, it works. That works. I'm excited. Maybe I'll go back there because like George, I'd, I'd been to several talks over the years mm. with the Aquinas Institute. I guess that's one of the ways that the outreach exists beyond just the campus, I'd imagine. Is yeah. through the talks. Yeah. The and so what, what are the different ministries that you have there at the Aquinas Institute? Well, we have daily mass uh, on campus and Sunday mass and also adoration a couple times a week and confession every day. But uh, especially some of the heart of the ministry is to be able to train the students <laughs> to be able to lead Bible studies in their dorms and to evangelize their friends. Because for a lot of people, they might be afraid to approach me as a priest mm. But they will listen to their friends, and they can feel comfortable that way and help them to grow in their faith as believers. And then from there that they can meet up with other students or the staff at Aquinas to uh, for one-on-one -on -one meetings to really 
grow in their sense of, of being, becoming an, an intentional disciple, of really then following Christ and being able to evangelize and share their faith as well. Uh, we also do uh, have these uh, seminars and lectures where already this summer we've had a couple online seminars gathering students together to talk about a certain subject, but to be able to explore uh, various themes of faith to attract both people who already are believers but also non-believers as well. So this fall I know we're doing a seminar on uh, Chesterton and Tolkien and kind of looking oh, wow. at fairy tales. Is that open for the public? Um, may Probably not, but uh, there may be some stuff, you know, since everything is going online these days, we may put some of that out there as well. That's, that's um, up that sounds that's, great. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, if yeah. You didn't, Bill, Bill has written a couple books uh, uh, along the lines of J.R. Tolkien, right, Bill? Sure, for, for, yeah, for the kids and stuff like that, sure. So I love Tolkien. I love, who doesn't love Chesterton? I mean, yeah, the, yeah. master as well. And also C.S. Lewis, that whole little circle is a, sure. is a great circle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I will lead a seminar on theology of the suffering body. Mm. So to really apply theology of the body to uh, the realm of suffering and how it can be redemptive as well. Mm. And so we'll also have some guest speakers and lecturers and also offering – we're now expanding to be able to offer some uh, courses for credit at Princeton in Catholic studies. And so we're very excited about that, of expanding the mission of the Aquinas Institute. Mm. And then there's also another new facet of the Aquinas Institute called the Worthy Life Project, which will be a real outward-facing uh, evangelization uh, team of doing a lot with social media and with YouTube and putting out videos and helping uh, people grow in their faith. That's huge. That's so mm. important. It's something that George and I have talked a lot about, the need for these videos. Because right now, like I look at my kids, and everything is a short video. It's a short video. My son does not watch TV. He watches YouTube. Right. Well, that's mainly. what I'm saying. So <laughs> it's you got unbelievable. YouTube, and it's not just YouTube. There's all these other platforms. But it's short, little, concise videos, you know, meeting. Because you know, these things, are, these these phones and everything, they're making everyone have ADHD, I swear. We have yeah. such short attention spans yeah. so that, you know, a book, a published book is not going to reach the, the youth anymore. It's got to be in, in the medium that they use every day. So that's a huge, huge uh, opportunity for you to actually exploit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Amazing work that you're doing there. Um, well, I also saw that, that so, and something I read from George Weigel is that you're really, you're training the leaders, like as you said, right, for other students to evangelize other students. So you're training the leaders to be on, on how to do things, which is great. Um, I also saw that you have like small group Bible studies uh, as well. That's part of, that's one of the ministries there. How, how does that work? Yes, well, besides being able to uh, have these Bible studies in their dorm and to be able to grow in their faith uh, that way, it's a chance for them not only just to study it as an intellectual project, but to be able to truly encounter Christ and to bring their questions uh, about what the what the Bible and what the gospel is revealing so that they can be uh, if you really take it seriously, it should be challenging, and it shouldn't just be something that you say, wow, that's interesting, and then leave it at that. It should provoke them to say, well, if this is true, if God is real, and if he created me and redeemed me and loves me and has a plan for my life, how do I really live this out? Mm. And so it's helping them to do that because we want to be able to give them the confidence so that it's not just some 
ideal that's abstract that they can't reach, but to see that they are truly called to holiness and to be saints, and that that, that is possible for them through the grace of God. Yeah, Billy, I think they chose the right guy. I think so, too, <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it is a great challenge, you know, when you talk about the idea of truth to to a generation where relativism, subjectivism is so prevalent, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, just The dictatorship having, of relativism. It does, <laughs> yes. well, you know, because it's, oh, that's fine for you. You know, that's that's a common thing. That's for, but but for me, and right there, that's that's where the yeah, flaw it's the, is. The concept of objective truth yeah. that there is such a thing is is gone by the wayside, right? It completely has, and that's and what's it, at the root of what we were talking earlier about this the, the the violent protests, right, and the rioting. It's there. There is no objective truth. No, there. there isn't, and it's it's all about my personal right and so forth, which all started with the Enlightenment and all that stuff, which is all legitimate, by the way. But it's so funny because a concept that we would agree is important, personal individual rights, throws out throughout truth, the ancient, the, the ancient concept of truth that was so prevalent to the church fathers and all that. This is how like, like things like in the ancient world where the idea of torturing someone was permissible. I don't advocate torturing someone. Why? Because we believe that everyone has rights before God, right, created in his image. But the idea was permissible because what was most important was truth. Mm. We had to get to the truth. Mm. So we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Truth thrown out the window for, the, for uh, personal rights, whereas they need to be integrated. Mm. We need to seek truth and respect human right. The two have to be brought together. You know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. the thing people forget about yeah, with the, the mercy, right? Integration of the two. Yeah. We only have a few minutes left, so I, we got to find out about Actually, your conversion story. Yes. How did, you, how did you become a priest? We always like to hear yes. the glory story. What, what brought you to this, this path in life? Sure. Well, first of all, it's really attributed to my family who I was raised in this Catholic home where going to Mass on Sunday, praying the rosary, reading the Bible was normal. Uh, but then in college, I kind of drifted and lost my faith, especially because I didn't really have any friends or peers who were practicing their faith, and I felt very alone in my faith. And then after college, when I was working in the business world, it was during that time where I was questioning and I was always dating and looking for true love and looking for what's my vocation, how can I find fulfillment. I felt like I had a yellow Mustang convertible, a beautiful girlfriend, and mm. felt that, okay, but still I feel this sense of like that this is not who God created me to be. And there was still this desire out there. And it was during that time that at a business conference, a speaker uh, recommended that if we really wanted to be better at our business and be more successful, we should spend an hour in silence every day. Mm. Wow. Now, I didn't know at the time that this is what Catholics call a holy hour, mm. but I thought, okay, I can do that. I want to be successful. I'll start spending this time in silence. But I couldn't just do this in my apartment, so I started uh, going to the church to find that place of quiet, and then that kind of led me to daily mass, and then that led me to uh, a priest inviting me to come to uh, a young adult adoration group that met every Friday where there would be catechesis from uh, from our peers and then also uh, time for adoration. And at first I was a little scared of this and thought, wow, I'm, I don't know what this is. This might be too much for me. But then as I spent more time in the silence there and, and spending it with Jesus in the Eucharist, he really started working on my heart and also being able to ask questions of my Peers was a huge help. And at the time, I felt that there's a lot with the church that I disagreed with, that I had been taught in college and classes 
uh, where I believe the opposite about a lot of the morality of the church. And it was then that uh, someone recommended to me reading a biography of St. John Paul II and reading oh, his wow. Theology of the Body. Yeah, and so I, I did it. And George, it, Was that George Weigel's uh, biography? Yes, exactly. Nice. And nice. it was you know, so long, over 800 pages, I almost uh, didn't read it. But, uh, <laughs> but as I read it, I was amazed because I thought, wow, okay, this uh, man, John Paul II, he's not just this yes man for the church who's just saying what the church uh, teaches without uh, struggling with it. He, he lost all of his family members by the time he was 20. He uh, lived through... Uh, the Second World War and, and Nazi occupation and communist occupation. And he saw all this evil and destruction. And instead of resorting to violence, he came and uh, turned to uh, love and to encountering Christ. So, wow. yeah, yeah the, the most amazing life of the 20th century was Pope John Paul II. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And theology of the body. What, what a great, um, you know, often, you know, because I grew up in Catholic households as well. It's sort of like, don't do this. Right. But there was no reason why. John Paul II gives us a reason why when it comes to human sexuality. It's an elevation of human sexuality. He focuses on the positive. Why well, but, it's but, why but this he, is so good. But he, <laughs> but he elevates, you know, the whole yeah. concept that we are created in God's image in that there's God the Father, God the Son, and the love between them so real to person that we image this in the family with husband and wife. That love can be so real. Nine months later, you give it a name. This is how we image God in this amazing way, and, and, and that's all brought about through human sexuality. It's elevations. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So it's, it's really amazing. I, we, I appreciate that story. The other thing I got out of your story, quiet, silence. Mm. And that's something that we struggle with all of us today, especially the youth. That's something we have to facilitate as parents. We've got to somehow reclaim the need for quiet and silence because God doesn't scream at you. He talks quietly into your heart. Yeah. 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 We struggle with that in my house, Billy. I'll be honest I, with me, you. Me know, too. My, my son has I, a phone. He's going to be in ninth grade high school in, in, uh, in a month. And um, it's, it's really hard. I, I can't convince him of the need for silence wow. or quiet time. That, that's, I definitely get <laughs> that out difficult. of your story. I think that, you know, the, those two things, John Paul II and, and quiet and, of course, the Polish connection, which – you know, I mean, thank God for the polls. They they saved Christian, Christianity. King Sobieski, right? The Battle of Vienna. Yeah, you know, saved the Wing Europe. Tussars, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, all the amazing saints and so forth. So, you know, I guess uh, with uh, just under a, uh, or just about a minute left, maybe uh, you could send a blessing out to our audience if that's possible. Sure. English or Polish, Father. Yes. Whichever you're more comfortable <laughs> with. Okay. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We ask that you bless all of our listeners, help them to experience the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, and have the Holy Spirit fill their hearts so that they may always know they are beloved sons of God the Father and sons and daughters of God the Father. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, thank you so much for, for being on the show. My brothers and sisters out there, have a wonderful week. I hope you have power. We will see you. Hopefully, your power will be back on by the time the show airs, Billy. (laughs) God bless, brothers. Take care.